Well, it's pretty derelict. As is, you know, I mean, all the the foundations are there, all right, but the buildings are gone. It was officially opened by the Taoiseach of the day, Sean Lemess, on the 22nd of October 1965. And uh, employment in in the in Irish base metals itself would probably have averaged about 350 to 400 over its uh, 15 year span. It closed in 1981 and uh, the majority, everybody was let go at that stage and then there was a stockpile of silver ore which was uh, processed later on and about 35 or 40 people came back and done that and it finally closed on in December 1982. It was it was uh, regarded at the time as the largest uh, producer of zinc in Europe, uh, and uh, of course we say it had uh, it made a great contribution. We said to the local economy, in the sense that back in the mid 60s we say things wouldn't you know have been very good economically in the area. So it was a terrific boost to have approximately three to four hundred people working there. So it injected a lot of money into the local area. It was Fairham then, so we'll say when the ore was discovered back in the in the, the late 50s, early 60s, when the ore body was discovered, the company bought that land off of local landowners and developed it. Basically, all you see is 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 the stone, you know. The, it's all nearly stone-coloured, you know, chippings and that kind of thing. They, they would have been part of the process you know, we'll say when the rock was taken from underground, it was crushed, and a lot of it, then, once the metals had been extracted, a lot of it was used in road making and that. So that's what gives it its particular colour today. What we're looking at here now through the perimeter fence is uh, what was the open cast mine. At the moment, as you can see, it's filled almost up to the banks with water. Uh, it's, it's about half a mile long, about a quarter of a mile wide, and, it has, and at its deepest point it's approximately 340 feet deep. Uh, millions of tonnes of ore was taken out, that was the open cast. And when that was exhausted then, uh, it went underground. and some fog as well this, the, the, the vapour after the drills the drills were driven with air and water air and, uh, and water you were, and uh, there'd be vapour kind of like a fog after the drills so you'd be working in a fog and darkness but you'd have the light you'd have your helmet light that's the only light you had but you'd get used to the darkness it was awful nice after the drill like you'd hear you'd your, your ear moves on, you'll hear nothing. You'll hear the noise, all right, but you wouldn't you'll see no one. No one coming out to you very seldom. Except a shift bus to call once a day, maybe twice a day to you. You know, and you'd be drilling away there. You'd be on bonus and you'd try and drill as much as you could and get out. That's, that's the way it was. It was lonely, all right. You know, going down at night at 7 o'clock in the evening. 
wasn't too nice sometimes. Well, sometimes, you know, you wouldn't feel like. But you do it after the snow remarks and go down and do it. Summertime when the sun is shining, you'd have a glare of the sun and be cutting days out of you when you come up. But the darkness is just going on with the darkness, and it was the same again then. <laughs> so. At the very bottom of the pit, I can think of the command of Ian of, of Orn as, and I suppose to be, to be what you call silver water. And it was so pure in it that the loaders and the trucks and brought direct to Galway without ever having to go through the mill or put through the crusher. That went to the boat direct and that's how valuable that mine was. Just high risk, all high risk stuff. A lot of some of the tunnelling involved maybe drilling holes at a vertical of about maybe 60 degrees upwards. And once you blasted that, you'd go back up in there and see that it all had cleared and that there was no explosives left in any of the holes that were drilled, plus the risk of maybe some loose rock coming down. So there was no time from the, any morning you went down into that underground mine, your life was at risk. There was no doubt about that. And I think maybe... Our angel gadgets were on overtime at the time. Well, I, I started in, in uh, 1968, and uh, that particular time, the, 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 the open, I worked in the open pit and had fairly well developed at that time. It was a welcome guest in the area of, uh, we'll say, Tegina, Lockray, Portumna, because Fairman, Fairman was on his knees at the time, and there was very little, there was no jobs other than that around East Galway. And... Uh, I suppose a lot of the people that, that worked on it, the locals that worked on it, wouldn't be around today were it not for the mine. And uh, I, give, I give them a great start and I give a lot of the small farmers that worked in it, I give them a great start to build themselves up. But uh, the mine itself, I suppose, uh, it, was, it was a good place to work. Uh, I suppose uh, maybe today you wouldn't get... Uh, the people to do what we're doing uh, at that particular time because the the going was tough and uh, there was to be a lot of manual work that time uh, in the line of, of uh, laying pipes and one thing and another for taking water and pumping out water and you had all of this and it was all manual uh, there was no machines most people were on bonuses yeah. we were our flat week, I don't know what our flat week's wage was that I later years about eighty pound and um you make a bonus of eighty more. You had to work hard to do that. But everyone was on bonus. So like uh 
lucky there wasn't more killed in it because everyone was rushing. You know, you try to make the big money and the bonus. So um, we were lucky. We were very lucky that it closed and there wasn't too many killed in it. Yeah, you were supposed to scale down the tunnels and you know scale down before you work and make sure there was no loose rock and all that. So you do a certain amount of it, but you wouldn't do it. You do well. You do it nearly every day, but you'd only you wouldn't do a right job in it. You'd be in a hurry to get on to move on to drill off the the headings and get them blessed and get them out. That's where you made the money. So there was a bit of that. It was a bad. It wasn't a great way. I well, it was a good system for the company that they were getting the return. But it was a bad system for the workers. Yeah. Because you were taking awful chances. Yeah. And that time, there was. There was no rules and regulations at that particular time, like what you have today. You know, the, yeah. well, there's no way to you, separate today. You go down to your lunch in the morning and you you eat where you're where you're drilling. You, you wouldn't be wasting time coming up to the canteen to, to eat. You 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 eat your lunch down where you're working on the rock, and it wasn't that nice. Mm. But you get used to it. It wasn't too bad either. You know. But it's surprising, like, you know, when you're, when you're green to everything, like, you know, because I never, you know, until until the mine did come, like, I never worked in a job before, you see, and I had no experience, like, and there was an awful lot of working there as well as me, the same same way, like, you know. And fellas that came home from England now, and there were in other jobs and all that, like, they had, they were great, like, because they had the experience, you see, and they knew, you know, and... Uh, I even think of myself now, there was a fella there with me, like, and he'd leave his coat about, well, it would be off over a good bit anyway, like, you know, and he'd walk over for his shovel, like, and he'd get the coat, like, and he'd get his cigarette, like, and to take him as long, like, and I, I used to think the day is long, like, you know, when I started that work first, like, and to try to put down the time, and I used to think it terrible, like, and our job now there for a while was with two shovels and, and this low, big loads of, uh, gravel had come, you see, and if there was a few big stones, all you'd have to do was just put, catch the big stone and walk over and just throw it out over the verge, like, you know. Well, your man was as happy as that, like, you know. <laughs> and I used to think the day was as long as a week, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it was just that he was used to working and that's what was wrong, you see, and uh, he was used to working in jobs and that, like, and really time it, there was a big difference, like, you know. But I thought if I could work like hell, you know, the day go a lot faster for me and that, you know, and I was used to that, like, you know. But I got used to it myself after a while anyway, and um, everything takes time, you know. Be degrees anyway, we got it going fairly good, and, and um, uh, another thing too, like, you see, that we were learning as well, and because and, um, it isn't easy, like, you know, people that was never used to machinery or anything, like, you know, because um, I was only young now at the time, like, and I never even, I never even knew what an, um, an automatic electric pump was, you know. And I remember after I started first, and the, the fellow that was over me, he put me hose in one night, and this pump went behind me, you know, and I couldn't know who started it, you know. And <laughs> I was looking all round, and I could see no one, and the next thing it stopped again. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was looking again, it went again after a while, you see, and I, I never realised at all that it was, it was I that was causing it to go with, with the hose and the water, like, you know. 
and at the time, like, we didn't have any electricity ourselves at home, you know, uh, here, and, and um, I hadn't a clue. And um, they buy an automatic one. I didn't even know, I, I just about know how to turn on the right one, you know. So the, I seen a lot of changes, like, since that, you know. We had no electric light or anything at home at the time, like, and, and uh, I seen all them changes, like, you know. And just... Uh, it's great, really, like the way all them changes came anyway. Now, if there's any kind of strike or anything wrong with the, with the light, like this, I had to do without it, you know. You think it's terrible, even if you had to do one or two nights, you know. But I suppose it's just that when we got used to it, you know. I suppose the wage system, again, was something very new. Uh, a lot of people would have been used to, I suppose, prior to that, uh, I suppose, I don't know what the average industrial wage at the time is. I wouldn't be around in the early days. I joined the mine in 1969, so it was probably running maybe eight or nine years at the time. And I know when I started there, I got I was getting £28 a week. That was my gross. I thought I was in heaven. But mind you, I left school. Stupidly enough, I still say stupidly enough, I left school after Intercert because it was down the road for me. And I think that was the case with a lot of fellas of my age you know, that we kind of, well, maybe there wasn't a culture of education around at the time either, you know, that the idea was wherever the good money was, go here, because it looked like being a lifetime operation at the time. You know, this was 1969. Everyone figured, well, here's a job for life. But it didn't work out like that. And it was partly the reason it didn't work out like that is we weren't used to industry. We weren't cute enough either as a workforce or our government of the day weren't cute enough because the way the whole thing was managed, both from an environmental point of view, from a safe health and safety point of view, was an absolute disaster. You know, I know everybody at the time did their best, but the risks that were taken, the hazards that people were exposed to, in today's world, which is a long time past, you're talking of 30 years, it would not be tolerated in any form or shape. People worked, I know, even in the mill, in the processing plant, people worked in the mill where you were using quite an amount of highly toxic chemicals, like you had cyanide, you had a lot of other additives that were in the flotation process. Now, cyanide, by nature, anyone who knows anything about cyanide, is absolutely one of the most lethal reagents known to men. And yet now there was a very significant quantity of that used in the process on a daily basis. And that the tailings that went out into a pond, you know, do we know the level of pollution that this has caused? The other part of the leg- legacy, I suppose, maybe from a downside as well, is the way the whole landscape has been left. There was no control or no plan in place to say, how do we leave this site when we're finished? That, I think, was a shame and a disgrace to be allowed. You know, you only look at Terra Mines today and you drive by Terra Mines and you see the way that's environmentally controlled. You wouldn't think there was a mine at all there. You know, the landscape, the level of landscape, and it's superb. You know, that was the environmental side of it. A lot of people lost their health, you know, going to bad health as a result of it, because there wasn't health and safety procedures there at the time. You know, okay, those programmes tried to implement, you know, people wear safety glasses, wear hearing aids. But, I mean, the dust, the level of dust and the type of dust we were inhaling, you had a high content of lead in the process. You had a lot of diesel fumes. You had a lot of those acids and reagents being treated. People were exposed to that, and I suppose at the time we weren't clever enough to know the difference. 
And as the men said to me at one time, there's no air any good for you, only fresh air. We were all young, we didn't know the difference. So I think it has certainly left its legacy from that point of view on a lot of us. And if you want to look at the good side of it, I think certainly it provided a huge, you know, there was at a time where there was maybe over 300, 350 people directly employed there. That was a fantastic boost to the area. You give as good as you got. That's, I suppose, that's what, you know, um, you could expect anything. But there was no, there was no ill will amongst anyone, you know. There was, you know, uh, you had the crack. And I suppose that's why uh, it was so good a place to work. Sort of everyone was going the one way. And uh, even when you'd be in the canteen, you could expect anything. You could expect to... When you sit down, you could expect a uh, hot tea bag to be put under your, open your lunchbox, you will know what you'd find. A young rabbit in your lunchbox. Mm. And that's, that was the carry on. It? And the same thing, I suppose, um, there was a great give and take then, I suppose. Uh, that's what made it a good place to work. Uh, especially, well, I know in, in, in the pit anyway, um, if... Whereas, you know, uh, in the farming where people that was was farming as well, part-time farming and working, you know, uh, you might be expecting a county cave or something like that. And you'd say you wanted to just sleep home for a half an hour just to give a look. But whoever was working alongside, you'd make sure that, you know, he'd carry the weight for you while you were gone to make sure there was no lapse. And that went on wholesale. And... Then on the other hand, if you wanted to, if you were on day shift and maybe you wanted to go to a mart or go somewhere, you could swap a shift with your opposite number that would be coming in afternoons and vice versa again. That, you know, and the company, the company never passed any remarks on that once the shift were covered, uh, it was never questioned. I remember one, it was first funny. Um, I was in at the doctors in Lockray and... There was coursing going on and she had a date here and she gave me the hair and uh, she said you might um, get rid of that fella for me somewhere, like, you know. So I said I would and I just thought of it. They thought there was a fairy here around the mine at the time, you know. But I think what was wrong is that it was the lights that was dazzling them, you know. And there was this fairy here used to go into the crush like where all the noise was like, you know, and that's why they thought he wasn't right, you know. And there was a fella working on the crusher and he used to have to come down in the middle of the night to where we were to see how much ore was in the beans, like whether they were half full or three quarters full or what. So, but didn't I bring up the hair anyway? And we brought him up the stairs and we put him sitting down above between, just where he'd be coming in the door. And we stuck his feet down, you know, there was holes in the flooring, beside and flooring with holes in it. And we put him sitting up the grandest of you seen. So uh, I said to the lads, now, I says, I, when, when, when he comes in, <clears throat> he's sure to come down the stairs with fright, like when, <laughs> when he comes in the door overhead. And I said, as soon as he comes down, let Bonnie slip up and have him gone to here, you know. And Paddy Riley got rest of his dead since anyway. When Paddy seen him coming down the stairs, he was coming down, he was as white as a ghost, you know. And he was hardly able to talk. 
And when Paddy seen him coming, Paddy slipped up and he brought the hair out of overhead. And, uh, oh Lord, let's, he says, will you come up and you see what I've what I seen up here? And he says, I don't know, but he says, I, I, I nearly fainted. He said, you shouldn't hear above sitting down. He said, it's the bins, you know. So we go all wondering, no hair. So <laughs> he wouldn't come down at night to look at the bins again, no matter what we don't like, you know. A lot of the people that came into the underground mine, there were people who worked maybe in, a lot of them worked in, in South Africa, what was known as the Copper Belt at the time. You had some people who worked in Canada. You had other mines in Ireland at the time. You had Keel in Longford. You had Avoca in Wicklow. And you had silver mines in Tipperary. People who had, had experience came to Tina. I suppose maybe the conditions at Tina were, even though we now look back on them, they were probably the better ones at the time. And a lot of various types of characters. And maybe one of the things I remember, maybe a funny incident, we had these Swedish contractors who were in, they were installing some steam work in the main, this was the development phase of the underground mine at the time. But, but this particular character, he was a non-national, he had very little English, and he lived in Galway, he met up with this girl who was Irish. She spoke English, she didn't speak his native language, but he arrived into work one particular morning, and he was in a very bad state, very sad in himself. He had got locked out the previous night. His new wife, as he called her, was gone. His car was gone and his money was gone. And he had a little bag with three cans of beer in it. And he said, well, I'm going to have to find myself a new car, new money and a new wife. <laughs> I suppose at the time for a, a, an industry, for a, in an area where industry was new, there was a, a very active sports and social club in the mine, you know, and a lot of competitions were entered in, particularly the being a hurling area, hurling being a great tradition in the area, we had a hurling team there at the time and at one stage I think won an All Ireland Interfirms title. There was also Gaelic football, a rugby team, various other competitions, you know, which was was lent to the whole social aspect of the industry, which again, I suppose, is something we maybe tend to forget about when an industry closes down. That's a side of it that closes as well. You have the social aspect of an industry where people, they're a little community. You know, those three other people were a mini community and they interacted with each other through either through sport or through work or through weekends and the local hostelries, whatever it was. That goes as well. And those are the things that a rural community needs, needs badly. Social life at the time as was started on Thursday night and continued until it included at that time it included Sunday nights. There was you know there was local marquees. There was at the time in Port Tumna you had the West Park Hotel and they used to have a type of a, a Saturday night dance there. The pubs in Loch Ray, There was one particular pub in Loch Ray where most of the young lads used to go. You're talking of maybe eighteen to. 24, 25 age group used to go and at 8 o'clock in the evening this particular publican would have 
the counter was probably about three metres long. He'd have a double row of pints of Guinness started for Eshtar. He knew this crowd were coming in and this was the scene from Thursday night right through, including Sunday night. You know, probably one of the businesses, a few, the, probably, unfortunately, there were probably a few of the businesses that did best out of the, of the whole industry, you know, the, that, the social side of it. Uh, the dances, again, you know, you couldn't go anywhere within the county, but you met uh, a huge percentage of the people you worked with, you know, and I suppose that uh, the social life carried on outside of the mine, into the pubs, into the dance halls, into the, again, I suppose dinner dances were a big thing at the time, and uh, the local GA clubs would all, that was, the, the dinner dance was the in thing to go to. You know, you'd have the local parishes, Mullia, Tina, Kilimer, you had uh, Abby Denary, whoever else was having their dinner dance. Uh, everybody went to the dinner dances. You know, the thing was to get tickets and go to the dinner dances. And it was, I suppose, another aspect of the social life at the time. Traditional music was very strong in the areas around Tina, Belnakil, Lockery and Portumna and Kilimer and those areas. There was, there was nearly... Every second house was had to play some instrument and there was a lot of sessions at the time as well. And uh, in the mines there was an awful lot of people that played music. Fiddles, flutes, accordions and lots of people that sang as well. So it was no wonder then that there were so many people that worked in the mines that played session music and played in the weekends. And, and at that time people went out and danced that time and... That was the time that music was really live in Ireland and you had the dance halls going and you had the show bands and that was the time that people, young and old, enjoyed themselves and went out and danced and had a good time. It was the time of the start and the singing pubs and nearly every town had, a, had music. And what would happen then is you'd, the music would finish up around half eleven and then you might go to a dance afterwards and that start might be from half twelve o'clock till two o'clock and... That was fairly common, and then every parish had a marquee around them times as well, and they'd come for a fortnight, and one parish would have it for one fortnight, and then to move on to the next. This was in the summertime when people would go and enjoy themselves and go dancing, and uh, that went on for many years, where it kind of slackened off then with the discos came in, but that time there was no, it was all live music. So, like, everyone went out and danced, and you had the tradition. Cayley bands doing the traditional music and then you had um, the show bands but at the time we played a mixture of everything which kind of suited the different areas around that even up around Clare you could have traditional music and you could have the singing as well and so that caught on and to this day it's still it's still it's still going like This uh, originally was, was the gate man's hut, and that building also contains the personnel department and the medical centre. That would be that. Here on our right we'll say, is, the, is the main office. That's where you had all the offices and the administrative centre, if you like. It was a fabulous building. It was a state-of-the-art building, I suppose, at its time. But uh, as you can see now, it's pretty derelict. 
that was the, the main office. We used to refer to that as the main office. You had the manager and the assistant manager and the accountants and the various other people that had make up the running of any company. That was their building here. As you can see, it's pretty run down now at the moment, but you can see there how there's crunching of glass as we enter. Well, it's pretty derelict looking. I mean, the, pa the floor is strewn with papers and the glass and the windows is broken and the ceiling is gone. In. You know, I mean, all the buildings are virtually gone. There was there was a building there now, we'll say, which would be over 100 feet high. That we're just looking over at the, at the foundation of it now. That would be over 100 feet high. You had a long conveyor coming from another building where the ore was crushed. And, you know, the, there was, there was um, loading, ore loading facilities there, down there at the back, and there was a drying plant. There was a crushing plant further over there to the southeast would have been the head frame, we'll say, where the material was taken from the underground, that would have probably been about, I suppose, 100, 150 feet high, with, you know, this typical big wheel that you'd see on the top for taking up the ore. And that that would be part of the part of the scene. Um, you had a huge pile of chips there, which would be a byproduct of the of the crushing procedure. That's all gone now. You had. Um, Water, t water storage tanks and ore storage tanks over there. You had the crushing plant, you had a DMS plant, and you know, they're all taken away. They, they were basically constructed of steel, and uh, that was just taken away. Scrap people came and took that away. Maybe something, some industry or something might be located here because it is ideally situated, ideal for industry in the sense like this, you know, this. Uh, it has a, a good electricity supply and that, and uh, I think that if you've got a suitable type of industry, I mean, we're going to be talking about a clean industry, one wouldn't uh, wish to see anything coming in, we'll say, that would have a polluting effect or damaging to the environment or anything. But if one could get a few good, clean industries, it would be very welcome. There was a good few strikes out there now as well, and, and uh, I was involved in the union for... I was chairman of the union there for seven years and it was a hard job enough too, like, you know, because there was underground and the piece and, and uh, the mill, those three different departments, like, you know, and um, if there wasn't something wrong in one place, there'd be wrong somewhere else, like, you know, and the lorry drivers in as well, there we had, the lorry drivers always seemed to have a bit of trouble, but um, when they finished in the... the um, to paid off the lorry drivers and uh, hired private uh, private men there, John Esther, he, he took over. So he, he um, it was he that brought all the ore and to finish up. And um, it seemed, uh, the per I remember one day I went in and there was a strike on and the personnel manager said to me, um, did I, would have come up with something good that had to stop strikes. <laughs> and I'd said it'd be a good idea when the people to come into work, like, you know, if the shift boss asked them how was things at home, you know. Because I said when a person comes into work in the morning or, you know, you don't know what they're after leaving, like, there could be something wrong at home. And he said, a great idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> they 
fellow that was over me came out to me anyway. <laughs> he thought it was terrible like, to have to go out to the leads and say how was things at home, you know. And some of them was making up excuses, you know. And there was nothing at all wrong at home. One fellow wanted to go to the mart one day and he, he told him, like, you know, that there was someone sick at home, there was no one sick at all, like, and he was drawing went to the mart. And, but, like, you know, these skins can be abused too, like, you know. But it was a good idea, right, like, it did work fairly well, like, you know, because it's just surprising, you know, you never know, like, what kind of trouble a person could be after leaving in the morning, like, something wrong at home and, and uh, a shift bus could just say some little thing that may be wrong and it flare up, you know very quick so um, it, was a, it was a great idea now he thought anyway this would work great for a while anyway One of the unfortunate sides of, of mining, uh, mining by nature, is that you have a lot of tragedies, accidents and serious accidents and fatalities. And in Tina, there certainly were, uh, I think it was in total six directly related to the industry in the period of the mine. Uh, there was four people killed in the underground operation. Uh, two of those were with contracting firms, one of them was non-national the others were with a contracting firm and two of them were two local guys and those are the downside the sad side when you see one of your colleagues you know that they're not going to become to work anymore those are memories that live with you and uh, certainly they're the ones that would make you want to say well I would not like to go back into the mining industry again or just absolutely you know total shock to people because when somebody one of their colleagues and one of your colleagues is killed on site particularly on site and you know that the operation is going to continue on the next Monday or the next Friday or whatever that you're going down working with that particular individual was killed is not, and particularly down in an underground mine by nature a mine is dark it's damp it's you know lighting is artificial it's not easy to go back into an area where somebody and I don't know for what reason but you get that eerie feeling when you go back into a mine, particularly where someone was lost their life. Um, maybe it's the same with a road accident. If you know, if you come on a road accident and you're passed by that spot again where somebody was killed, you know, it's not, it jogs the memory, certainly. The, the guys being local, you know, and it's, you know, their families still live in the community locally and, you know, they had to carry on without their. I suppose one of the breadwinners of the house at the time and that couldn't have been easy apart from the shock of losing a loved one.
when the mine closed that time, uh, I think if I went on, I was one of the people that went on a deputation up to the then minister, um, Desi O'Malley, to see to, you know, that an industry would have been brought back into it because it's a fine site and it's a sin to have it left idle. And um, he said that time, you know, you know, actually he's much as told we were in the middle of nowhere, you know, that we didn't matter. You had to be there in Galway City or Limerick or somewhere that time that uh, to bring an industry into it, but it was just lying there over the past 20 years and nothing. Uh, I suppose the sad part about it was at the time that uh, there was a lot of new houses built and they were built in Lockray where they should have been built in Tina. If they were built in Tina, they would have to put an industry into it. But uh, that didn't happen, and the houses were built in Lochray. And the people, any industry that came then, it came into Lochray, and Tina was forgotten about. But all the locals in them all built new houses and got married, and you know, they stayed locally, and they're still local. But then uh, there's, you're struggling now again. We're back to where we were in the 60s again, 70s, uh, as regards to small farm, you're, you're struggling again. There's no, nothing. There's nothing there to, to help. People were going out the gate and they didn't realise it was closing. You know, it was uh, quite a fair that time, which was now the big, big hell of a low about it, you know, and that all the jobs were lost, like 300 jobs. That time was an awful lot of jobs were to be lost, and they were lost. Um... But uh, it was a very quiet, it was a very quiet shutdown and there was nothing, not a word about it and people went their own ways then. Some, you know, people that were, had been travelling from a distance, maybe some of them up from Mayo or Limerick, uh, they went back to their own destinations and uh, the more of them then, they were living in Loughray, the secure jobs and a couple of factories in Loughray and more of them then set up their own little indus, you know, fitters and this, that and other. They set up their own little workshops and they made a, made a go of it, you know, kept going, but it was an awful loss. to have parties and that you know and um, we used to have some of the local musicians as well uh, Jimmy Hines at the band there now and I used to sing a couple of songs now and again as well with them and, and um, Paddy Haverty used to have a band at the time too and uh, so uh, we used to have great old nights out that time and great parties and that and, and uh, I had one very old song and I used to hear my father singing actually that's 50 years ago now, so um, a lot of people don't even know the song, like, you know, and I don't know it all either, but I'll, I'll just sing a bit of it. It was called The Frog in the Garden. Oh, come listen a while with attention, and I'll sing you a verse of a song. 
Concerning a couple got married, I don't mean to delay you too long. Sure, they lived in the height of contentment, until then sure a rowdy decor. And the elf on my head she did splinter, saying, what did I marry you for? So I like a frog in the garden, don't step till you do look around. And if you get a wife such as I've got, and your courage will surely pull down. The other day I came home to my dinner. Oh, what do you think? Did Since the mine now is closed, I suppose, just over 20 years now, a lot of people that worked there, some fine men, they've all passed away, and some young people as well. It's hard to believe that so many of them that worked there just 20 years ago are passed on. And then there's a lot of the people that work there that you mightn't see as often as you would like to see because we had some great friendships. Now, through the music, all right, when I would be playing, maybe in different areas, you might meet up with them and you'd have the chat about the times we worked together in Tina Mines. And uh, it's lovely to go back and reminisce and talk about what we'd done in them times. But um, there's a lot of people... That, you never see again, you know, that they're gone their different ways. But still, it's nice to meet, meet the same people again that you walked with and chatted with and maybe even played music with in the good old days. So I like a frog in the garden Don't step till you do look all round And if you get a wife such as I've got And your courage will surely pull down Oh.